The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Hey, hey, welcome. It's uh, the beginning of the weekend, really, and uh, it's time for another edition of the Disability Law Show. Good to have you along on this Friday, reaching out any time to either Savannah Markin or Albert Klein, always available for you. Uh, by the phone, we'll try that first, toll free, of course, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email address for you anytime, which we'll get to some here in just a couple minutes, help at disabilityrights.ca. And if anytime you want more information or you're puzzled about anything to do with your particular matter, ltdfaq.ca, short, concise memos built into blogs, drop down, so simple to use, ltdfaq.ca. That is the way you navigate that sucker. But uh, we want to always start off with the case of the day, Savan, uh, here on a Friday. What do you got for me, pal? Hey, John. Great to be with you and uh, with Albert and our listeners. Let me start off with something that is a bit uh, more unusual in terms mm-hmm. of an injury that I have seen. And I've seen this, um, or I've talked to somebody this week uh, about this, but I also remember when I used to do defense work for insurance companies, defending them in personal injury cases years and years ago, I remember doing this on the other side of the aisle, defending insurance companies for those kinds of injuries. And I'm talking about a situation, which again is not uncommon, but it does happen where someone uh, goes to, let's say a store, uh, a box store, uh, whatever that store is. And at some point there is an altercation with a security guard in that store. And the security guard uh, uses force or does something to, uh, you know, to, to, I guess, express the fact that uh, they have authority there. Uh, and I'm not just talking about a security guard that says, look, you stole something, uh, y- you need to empty your pockets, we're calling the police. I'm talking about security guards who sometimes get carried away. Uh, and I remember this one case uh, years and years ago that happened to me, not to me, but uh, it was a case that I was dealing with. Uh, that box store is no longer in operation. But what happened was is that they had hired a security company. And uh, there was a gentleman. He was around 72, 73 years old. He was in that box store. I think it was in Mississauga. And um, he, was, he was being accused of, of stealing something. And he, you know, he, of course, denied it. The security guard said, no, I, I have uh, camera footage. You're going to have to wait here. And this gentleman says, no, I'm not waiting here. I can give you my information, you know, so you can contact me, but I'm not going to wait here uh, for the police. And so the security guard physically restrained him until the police arrived. When the police arrived, uh, he was searched. He did empty his pockets, everything else. Long story short, he did not steal anything. Oh. Okay, so so he was not at fault. But... Uh, what happened was is that that individual then started that legal claim against the box store and against the security company. I was assigned as a lawyer back then to represent the box store. There was another lawyer assigned to represent the security company. Right. And this gentleman hired a lawyer out of Mississauga, and the claim itself was for the emotional upset that this gentleman had suffered as a result of being forcibly you know, restrained uh, and, and made to wait for the police to arrive. But the claim itself, the legal claim, was framed in the context of a psychological uh, injury, meaning that this person now uh, was very upset, uh, had anxiety, uh, you know, all these kinds of things that come with this kind of an altercation for somebody especially of that age. Now, here's the one thing that that lawyer, that this person, this elderly person hired, here's what that lawyer missed, and this is crucial here. When the security guard restrained this individual, he actually... Uh, it used enough force to tear that person's uh, uh, shoulder. 
And this person ended up getting a full tear, full shoulder tear that was documented by his doctors, had to have surgery, and then was left with what we term as a frozen shoulder. He had limited range of movement with that yep. shoulder. The lawyer representing this person who was then bringing that legal claim, that, that elderly gentleman, did not even mention the torn shoulder. I simply figured that out because I looked at the medical documentation that was provided to me as a lawyer representing the store who's on the other side of that claim. We settled that case, uh, this was years ago, so I have no problem mentioning it, uh, between thirty and $40,000. Oh, my gosh. And here's what you need to understand. Yeah, here's what you need to understand, John. Uh, not only was this amount deficient, it didn't take into account potentially what this gentleman was going to have to deal with in years to come. Mm-hmm. This is a case where if somebody uses force on you, uh, and, and I'm talking about, again, in the context of a store, in the context of a security guard, or you know, if you're in a bar and there is a bouncer, if there is intentional force applied to you, there is liability on whoever it is that's applied that force and whoever hired them, whoever is employing them, whatever company is employing them, there is liability on them. They're not allowed to do this. This is forget about the fact that this is, you know, the, 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 there's a criminal element here, right? I mean, this is this is assault. Beyond that, there are civil damages you can claim. A torn shoulder for this gentleman, if this end, you know, if this ended up in court, which again, most of these cases never go to court, but if this ended up in court, this person would have likely received or been awarded seventy, eighty, maybe even ninety thousand dollars just for his pain and suffering for the fact he suffered this torn shoulder, maybe even more. Now, add to that the fact that now he's probably going to be limited in what he can do at home. That he may need some help around the home now. He may need to hire some people to help him clean the house. Maybe he'll need somebody to help him mow the lawn. You know, again, depending on what his circumstances are. This is easily a claim that would or should have settled in the six figures. I don't know, $150,000, $200,000. Instead, his lawyer settled the case with me and the lawyer for the security company for between thirty dollars and $40,000. Now, look, I was working for the insurance company. That was my job. But I understood really quickly that the person that this gentleman hired, this lawyer, simply did not understand personal injury law. So what's the message here? I don't want to focus on the fact that there was an assault here and that this is something that if that happens to you, you get damages. I want to focus on the fact that if you're injured and it's not your fault, or even if there is an issue as to whose fault it is, you may be entitled to compensation under the law. And you better make sure that you go to the right lawyer or the right law firm to represent you. Because if you go to the wrong lawyer, you will not know necessarily that that lawyer is making mistakes. No different than if I went to an accountant. I'm not an accountant. I have no idea if my taxes are being done correctly. right? I have no idea if they're doing what they're supposed to. So you want to make sure that whoever you go to, if it's a lawyer, if it's a doctor, if it's an accountant, you want to make sure you go to somebody that has the experience, that has the reputation, the resources, that has the full package to maximize the compensation that you are owed under the law. And that's what we do. That's what my team does. Albert does that. I do that. The rest of our team does that across Ontario. And if you have any questions, like I said, we don't charge anything for consultations. Uh, You can get this information for free, and we'll simply advise you of your rights. It's easy. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Or as Savannah mentioned, reach out, one 855 821 5,900. It's, it's a good, uh, it's a good warning for people. I mean, you, you've said on the show, I think Albert and Savannah, you guys have both said it. If you need a hip replacement, you're not going to an ear, nose and throat guy. Yeah, they're both doctors, but it's not the right one. One's going to do the job correctly. So to your point, you want to make sure you get to the right firm like yours because the difference, the delta between, you know, like you said, potentially 150 and 40 K is unreal. I hope you never found out. Well, I I have no idea if you found out. I know that I was doing my job. I can tell you that I would have never, ever settled this case for the amount of money that he did. 
And I think that he did that because he simply trusted his lawyer, which I understand him. I understand why he did that. I I blame that lawyer for not knowing what, you know, what what they ought to have known. And and again, if if as a lawyer, you don't know what you're doing, it's not your area of law, then don't deal, don't meddle, right? Because these are people's lives. I mean, don't don't take on something. Again, just like your example, John, of a doctor. You know, a doctor that deals with the heart, the cardiologist, is not going to start doing, you know, surgery on your ears. You go to someone else for that. So yeah. it's the same thing with lawyers, but some lawyers just meddle, and that's that's not a good situation. I want to start getting to uh, to Dennis here. First email of the show, guys, uh, says, hey, uh, Savan, hey, Albert, my son was riding uh, his bicycle at the park a few weeks ago. And when he turned in the road on a green light, a car that was making a right uh, side turn did not notice him, hit him hard. He broke two vertebrae in his back and has a concussion. He's still in hospital, and we're all in shock. He's 19 years old and was supposed to start college for graphic design now this fall. Should we be filing a report with the driver's insurance company? Wow. That's uh, that's a very, very tough situation, Dennis. I'm very, very sorry to hear about your son. Um, it's the kind of case, uh, again, not that different than the kind of cases that we deal with, unfortunately. I mean, the facts obviously are a bit different. The people are different. But the law is not different. Uh, Albert has dealt with this. I've dealt with this. Yeah, I mean, Dennis, you, your son is entitled to compensation here. Uh, he's mm-hmm. entitled to uh, accident benefits from the insurance company that insured uh, that driver's vehicle, and he's also entitled very likely to what we call tort damages, which means that it's pain and suffering. It means that it's potential income loss into the future. I mean, he's 19 years old, John. I mean, supposed to be starting college. He's going to have a very, very tough time. So, Dennis, when you're asking, should we be filing a report with a driver's insurance company, there's a bunch of things that need to be done right now. And, and here's the good news. Uh, we can we can not only talk to you and your family about everything that needs to get done here. We can explain step-by-step step what needs to be done and give you the time that you need to focus on your son to make sure your son focuses on, on his health. Uh, we can take care of all that for you. Or or if you don't want to do that, we can simply give you the information that you need. But there is significant information that you need to do. There are timelines that we have to make sure uh, you know we adhere to because if you miss certain timelines, he may not be able to get the compensation that he needs, both for income loss, uh, for, for um, um, treatments. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about a lot of things here. And this is a severe, severe injury. We're talking about a broken back, a concussion. Concussion is a brain injury, John. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, there's a lot of things here to, to, to untangle, to unwrap. We have to make sure that we understand exactly how this happened, understand, you know, make sure that we get the file from the police so, so we understand the dynamic here. So, again, Dennis, this is something that I'd like to speak with you after the show is over, and, and we can dissect it. I can give you the information you need, your son, your whole family, and then you can understand what your options are and how to proceed. Dennis, appreciate you reaching out. I'm going to give you that number now before we get into a break and move on to, uh, to more email. And for you as well, if you're listening, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and that email address that Dennis used, of course, help at disabilityrights.ca. Short break and back with more of the Friday night edition of the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. 
All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. So good to have you on this uh, Friday evening, paying attention for the next half hour. Beyond this, there's always an opportunity. You're encouraged, in fact, to reach out with any questions. It may be for uh, an insurance company you're currently dealing with or just something, you know, looking ahead. If it uh, comes down the pike and you're in that situation, always reach out to Albert and Savannah. they got a great team behind them uh, as well. The firm, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, by the way, most positively reviewed law firm in the country. So you are in fantastic hands right from the get-go. one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca for further questions uh, using your phone or keyboard at home no problem my disabilityquestions.com that's free and anonymous for you to use and it's searchable so your question may have been asked and answered in depth previously all right albert let's get to uh, senya senya sent an email along here says i tripped on an unmarked concrete divider on my way to an appointment in the evening last month and fell down hard on my hands because I was trying to brace for the fall. 54 years old and work as an administrative assistant. I broke my left wrist and tore my shoulder as well, full tear. I was told that I would need surgery, but that I will likely develop frozen shoulder and it will impact my ability to type and use my left arm. Very upset by this. I have health benefits through work, but no substitute for my income. And I don't know how long I will be off work because of this. What do you suggest that I do? I spoke with a security guard that works at the plaza where I fell, and he said that I'm not the first one to trip on this divider. I'm so angry about this. So first off, Senya. Very sorry to hear about your nasty fall. Uh, it sounds like it was a very unfortunate one, and I'm very sorry that your doctors are saying that you're going to have some long-term com- complications. Obviously, that's the last thing you want to hear. Uh, but in terms of what you should do, uh, at this at this point, generally speaking, cases are broken down into two different aspects. And when we're assessing a case from a legal standpoint, we're looking at it through this lens. And these two aspects are, one, who's at fault? what we call liability, and then what are the value of your injuries? How much are your injuries worth? And that's how we assess whether or not it makes sense for you to take on a claim. At this point, what you need to do is you definitely have a a strong case on both of those fronts, and I'll explain why. But what you need to do is you need to document absolutely everything. So I want you to write down exactly what happened. I want you to take some photos of the divider. So, uh, um, so there's no changes made to the divider. So if you can go get a friend or if you're able to go get, go yourself, take a bunch of photos exactly at the same time of day that you fell, take it from a bunch of different angles. So there's not going to be no saying later on that this wasn't how it was on the day that you fell. What I also want you to do is document everything in terms of your injuries, document everything in terms of how much you're spending and go to all your different doctors and ask if there's anything you can do for your injuries. Obviously, you're waiting on some surgery, but maybe there's some uh, some maintenance or some other rehabilitation that you can do in the meantime. And generally speaking, you want to make sure that your doctors are documenting every part of your body that you've injured, because a lot of this is going to boil down to proof. And from a liability or a who's at fault standpoint, you have a very strong case. Clearly, the plaza knew about this. They knew about this divider because the, their own security guard even admitted that someone else had fallen on this. And clearly that's their fault. As soon as they know of, know of a hazard, they have an obligation mm-hmm. to, to make sure that the plaza is safe for patrons like you. And clearly they didn't do that. So from a who's at fault standpoint, clearly they're at fault. And, and your injuries are very, very significant. It's impacting not only your ability to work, but your ability to your ability to type probably uh, probably it's uncomfortable while you're uh, doing your, your regular ev- ev- everyday acts of daily living. And because of that, 
you're going to have significant long-term complications. There's no reason that you shouldn't be uh, getting compensation for this unfortunate fall, which wasn't your fault, and we can definitely help you with that. So in terms of what you should do, as I said, document everything, speak, your, speak to your doctors, and then finally speak to a lawyer that specializes in personal injury law. You want someone who actually specializes it in it. You don't want someone that just dabbles in it or has maybe done a couple files because there are a lot of nuances to every single case. And you want someone who's going to maximize every different head of damage or every different aspect of your case for you. So, Ben, anything to add? Uh, I, I think you covered it really well, Albert. Um, I, what, what I would say here on the point of doctors documenting all the injuries, you know, in many of these cases, and I see this a lot, uh, you know, qu- quite often with car accidents where somebody has a primary injury. In this case, for Senya here with her fall, uh, it was a torn shoulder. It was a left wrist and torn shoulder injury. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that she probably injured other parts of her body. The issue, though, is that sometimes the primary injury at the time of the accident is what is really occupying your attention because that's really what's hurting you the most. But maybe she injured another part of her body. Maybe her head hit uh, the pavement or something and she suffered the concussion, but she's not really fully aware of that. And the reason why that's significant is because I've had cases, specifically with car accidents, where there were multiple injuries, but the person reported specific injuries. Let's say that there were three injuries but the person really focused on one or two of those injuries and not the third one. And so contemporaneously, when the person went to the doctor and talked about what were the injuries, the person listed those two primary ones, not the third one, not the one that was, you know, that appeared distant. Down the road, that distant injury became more of an issue. And so let's say a week, two weeks, a month later, uh, that person went back to the doctor and said, you know, now that thing is, is bugging me too. And mm-hmm. by the way, I also injured that during the accident, but from an insurance company standpoint, and I've seen this time and time again, the insurance company or their lawyers are going to look at the medical documentation and say, wait a second, you're now talking about a concussion, but you didn't complain about a concussion or any brain-related injuries, memory issues or headaches or anything like that, right after the accident. The first time we're seeing those symptoms appearing in your medical records are a month later. Right, and so now there is this break in the what we call the chain of causation. There is a question as to whether or not you may have injured yourself again, just not reported it, and now that is why you are having these issues with your head, and that you want to pin it on that accident that happened a month ago. I'm not saying that's what happens. I'm just saying that unless you say to the doctors, the clinic you go to, the hospital, everything that you have injured, anything that bothers you from from head to toe after an injury, after an accident, after any incident. You are at risk if you mention those other injuries down the road of the insurance company that's responding to the claim saying, wait a second, we don't believe that those other injuries are attributable to this particular incident. We don't have to pay for that. So keep that in mind. The other point I want to make, uh, uh, th- that I wanted to focus on here is the fact that this happened at a plaza, but we have no idea who left that concrete divider. Now, when Albert says you got to contact a, a exper- an experienced personal injury lawyer, he means someone like us, right? Because we do this for a living. And what we would do here is we would not make any assumptions. We wouldn't be assuming that the target defendant or whoever's at fault is the plaza owner. We, we would certainly uh, um, uh, assume, at least initially, that they're the first contact that we're going to have. In other words, we're going to contact them and say, this is what happened. Uh, you were the owners or the, the people who were responsible for this property. So under the the, uh, the Occupier's Liability Act, which is the legislation that deals with these kinds of situations, you are responsible, but, but 
if you know of anyone else who may be responsible, maybe there was a construction company that left that divider there. Maybe there was an architect that made a mistake in terms of how they you know, decided to, to, to you know, drop the plans to have these dividers there in a way that are dangerous. There may be other entities that need to be brought in here. And why that's important is because ultimately when we try to resolve this claim on your behalf and get compensation for you, we want to make sure that everyone that may bear some liability for your injuries that may potentially have to pay you compensation is at the table. There's nothing worse, John, I can tell you in a situation where you've gone after a potential defendant because they caused your client's injuries only to find out you know, half a year or a year later that you didn't bring in another potential defendant. In other words, somebody else who may be at fault here and may have to pay compensation. And now that delays the entire process by another year, right? Because now they have to come up to speed. They have to be brought in. Their insurance companies have to be involved. So it's really important, again, to understand that if you go to the correct lawyer, the correct law firm that has expertise and experience in these kinds of cases, those lawyers, those law firms will know what to do from day one so that they maximize the amount of money you put in your pocket in the shortest amount of time. That's the key thing here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird though. I mean, and like to your point, you never know where this is going to go as far as fo- frozen shoulder concussions, all that stuff. These things can come in and roost and, and come back years later to uh, to haunt you. So full disclosure is always the way to go, right? Well, that's another actually really good point that you just made. So, sometimes we think that an injury is not significant, and so we don't do anything about it. And I understand that. I'm not telling people to just start making legal claims left, right, and center for no reason. Right. I mean, I know that personal injury lawyers don't have the best reputation out there. Right. I mean, what do we call them? Ambulance chasers. Look, <laughs> this is what they do for a living. But but I've also seen cases with people who have had what they thought were minor injuries. And again, a shoulder tear is a very good example. Somebody falls on their shoulder because, I don't know, of ice or a divider in this case with Senya. Uh, and they injure their shoulder, they think nothing of it. They don't even get medical help, but slowly, as the days progress, as the weeks as the weeks pass, it bothers them more and more until a month later, two months later, they go to their doctor, the doctor orders an MRI or an ultrasound or something like that, and suddenly you see that there is a tear. But because that person didn't go to the doctor immediately after the incident, now there is a question as to whether or not this tear yeah. actually happened because of this incident. Because no one was told of the incident. How, how does the insurance company know that this person didn't just make it up? So you have to understand that by waiting too long, you may be prejudicing your own case if, in fact, the injury is more significant than you think. So, again, be very careful about that. Uh, and, John, legalities aside, if you fall and you feel any kind of injury, any kind of pain, get checked out. Yes. You don't know what damage there is. You don't know if you've broken your knee. You, you don't know. You don't know. Sometimes these injuries take time to evolve. So please get checked out uh, and, and give us a call if you have any questions about your legal rights because we'll give you the information you need for free. And it's always to be done in a timely manner, to your point. I mean, as we as we got to get out of here in a minute, Savannah, I know in a few months from now we'll be talking about, you know, make sure you take pictures of the ice right away when you have a slip and fall because it's going to melt and there's no contemporaneous uh, records of it. So same type of thing. But for now, we're going to uh, we're going to leave it for there and give you a chance and an opportunity to reach out to Albert and Savannah and their amazing teams as well by phone 1-855-821-5900. The email address we use and just use there, help at disabilityrights.ca. And for quick and concise memos on LTD, many questions can be answered just with a couple clicks of a mouse or some scrolling on your phone, ltdfaq.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.